Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us. Absolutely. Today on the podcast, we have Rob Croyle. Hello. We have myself, Logan Daly. Hi, Logan. And we have... The silent partner. The silent partner, who says she's not going to talk. Joy Croyle sitting in with us today. We gave her a microphone. She says she's not going to use it. You're going to at least say hi. Hi. Perfect. Joy said hi. What an absolute joy you are. Anyway. It's a a great start. um, I don't know how many of those I can work in, but we're going to find out. (laughs) Uh, Off the top, we need to talk shortcomings. Now, this didn't make it to the recording, but you did have this one faux pas during the sermon where you leaned down to get a drink uh, of water. You were like, but wait, I'm going to get a drink of water first. Before I think it was before you started reading the passage. And you lean down right in front of the speaker with the microphone, and we got some space alien feedback yeah. that was yeah. delightful. Uh, Joy, <laughs> if you'd been at church, you would have heard this. Uh, shots fired, but she's not going to talk. She might. Oh, she's trying to crack up, but she's not going to talk. Uh, the excuse that you gave me was something about space monkeys and them not liking bananas, and then you said you were on an LSD trip because of that text message. I just don't know... What's even going on there? She's for those of you that can't see her, which is everybody listening to this. Uh, she was laughing at that. She's doing a great job of staying silent, though. Well done, silent partner. Um, this has lasted longer than any road trip I've ever been on with Joy. This is the quietest I've ever heard her either. Yes. If I had known years ago that the key to making Joy stop talking was to put a microphone in front of her, I'd just be walking around with a microphone all the time. <laughs> I might try this. This is this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too much fun. All right. We have got way too much to talk about, though. So let's dive right let's, in. Let's do this. Let's dive right into this bad boy. Uh, first thing is we wanted to bring out the parallel. Uh, you talked about this, and it was on the graph um, with uh, the, the parallels between the creation Adam story and Noah's story, right? Mm. And the first thing up there was uh, we had destruction or creation on the Adam story and destruction on the uh, flood story. And we wanted to bring out that these two are actually why why we drew the parallel between these two. Sure. Um, do you want to talk about that? Or do you want me to babble uh, about that? Well, yeah, with, with creation, God comes to the end of... After six days, and on the seventh day, it says he rests. And, and mm-hmm. is he tired? Is he wore out? Is he sure? Is he bored? Is he <laughs> sure? Yeah. So you've got this creation, and then he says enough. Yeah, and I and I know uh, Marty Solomon has talked about this. Uh, Rabbi David Foreman, which is uh, someone that we look at his exegesis of the Old Testament, and and he talks about this. I, I think uh, I think Marty uses. The Da Vinci's uh, Mona Lisa, which is actually not a great... No, Marty doesn't. Foreman does. I think Foreman does, because Marty uses the Michelangelo the David statue. Okay. I've heard Marty say Mona Lisa, which I've heard is not a great analogy. Yeah, because, it's, it's not a good analogy. Because that He that kept painting, working on that like all his life. Yeah. He never finished it. He never... He was like, it's never quite done. 
Yeah. But the David statue is a is a great example of of an artist saying it and is it enough is done. And I I can't even imagine what it's like to have a big block of marble and start chiseling away and sometime later you have a 17 foot statue of David. Uh, wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Is what that would be. Yeah. A little little bit here, a little chip here, a little chip chip chip. There you go. Um the other but the other the other parallel to draw, and this actually I was thinking of uh a thing that Brandon Steele said when we were talking about uh creation back in I think it was on Genesis one when we were talking there. Um but we we were talking with Brandon and he said, you know, man's the only Man, the difference be oh is Genesis two because the difference between man and animals is we have the ability to create, right. we have the ability to say enough, right? Control our uh, control our creative desires. And he says man's the only creature that makes tools to make tools that make other tools to destroy the tools. Yes, right. And so in that in that right there, I think he landed on a little bit of a nugget here of destruction and creation are kind of two sides of the same coin. Creating something is this, like, it's this process, right? And destruction is kind of the, it's the other side of the coin. Like, you can create and you can destroy. Sure. Um, and, and they're both kind of, destruction is kind of a creative process in itself. It can be. Of how yeah. you're tearing something apart, yeah. how you're taking it apart. Well, even the way... Uh, we use fire sometimes to sure. to create safety zones and exactly you know but um i think the bigger like god addresses something significant and when he was done mm -hmm. he was done yep he says enough and and i think uh you know like there were times where in high school i was grounded you know, for like a, I was grounded for, for a semester life. two different times. For a whole semester? A whole semester. Holy smokes. Yes. Joy, have you ever been grounded that long? Nope. We got her to talk. Excellent work. Uh, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, if the thought is anything I do could cause this extreme measure and and destruction of the of the earth is it's a little extreme that that is an extreme a, measure that's a that's a that's a bold move and god says i'm not going to do this again i am not going to destroy through a flood uh jesus does talk about a judgment that's going to come but that's going to be fire that's completely different and it and it is different and <laughs> but but god also chooses to just kind of take on a, I, I think a different uh, mode of operation and sure and uh, and so I think that's probably the big thing we need to take away from the story. Nice, nice. So creation destruction parallel, boom, check that off the list. Oh man, now I'm gonna put a disclaimer here. If you are listening to this episode of Footnotes with small children or middle schoolers. Or high schoolers that you just don't want them to hear about PG thirteen, at least PG thirteen, a strong PG thirteen sort of material. Yeah, we kept it rated G. Yeah, we kept it rated G during the sermon, but we're gonna actually talk about what seeing his nakedness means. So, if you haven't stopped the podcast at this point, 
cover their ears, make them leave the room. Joy, we're gonna have to have that. We're gonna have to have you leave, because you know, just a little too mature for you. <laughs> nope, she's not responding to that one. Anyway, that you you've had your buffer zone now. Uh, strong PG thirteen. You have been warned. All right, seeing his nakedness. What does that mean, Rob? Well, so first of all, uh, we're told that when he wakes up from his wine. Uh, let me find Genesis 9 here. Finding uh, Genesis 9. Verse 24, when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his young son had done to him, or youngest son had done to him. Okay. Uh, so uh, there's a sense of he knows that something's been, something's different. Something is wrong here. Something has changed. Now that could have just been there's a blanket over him. It could have been there's a blanket over him. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Could just be a blanket, right? He's like, who put this blanket on me? Shem. But, but you then. You little rascal. But then he goes right into cursing, you know, cursing be Canaan. Like that's the first, that's the first words. Like he notices something sure. has changed and curses, cursed be Canaan. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a sec, but. One of the things that says in Leviticus 20, it says, if a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Mm. And the uh, the rabbis actually believe that there's three, three options. And uh, I've heard Marty Solomon say that um, they they typically land on one of two. One of two in this particular story that either he was uh, sodomized by Ham. Yep. Or that uh, Noah was. Noah was. Yeah, Noah was either sodomized by his son. Or that he was uh, castrated. Smack it with a rock. And that'll wake you up. <laughs> he would have been super drunk for either of those options. Yeah. All I got to say on that. Yeah, that's... Um, Full passed out. And so... From Full a, space monkeys. From a rabbinical teaching, they, they land there. I'm not sure why they don't take this Leviticus 20 passage yeah. and and apply it directly. I have a tendency to apply this Leviticus 20 passage. And uh, when we get into the next conversation about uh, why did the curse land on Canaan and not on Ham... Ties back in with that. Tie, ties back into that for me personally. So our three, just to just to clarify this, so our three options to choose from for what this means, because it definitely does not just mean like, whoops, saw you there naked, Dad. My bad. Um, the three options are Noah was castrated by his son. Noah was sodomized by his son. Molested would be the, because I, I think it's a Deuteronomy passage that the those two go back to. Um that they would say like this is the they tie that to the the Deuteronomy passage I think if I remember right pulling that out of the back of my brain but uh, so castrated sodomized or the third option is that Ham stole Noah's wife slept with his mom none of these are good yeah and all these really have a similar ramification that it it, it ties into this molesting taking something uh this this sexual uh, uh 
taking something that is Noah's and yeah, robbing, robbing, robbing him of, of this. Yeah, it's yeah. there's uh, some level of violence in all three. Yep. Uh, they're all um, sexually violent. Um, and uh, Noah will never be the same mm-hmm. after this moment, regardless of which of these three yeah, and the, takes place. So for me, I the one that I don't I don't give the sodomy one. I don't think that that makes sense with the story. I can give credence to the castration or the or the sleeping with his with his mother. I think that those two play out because we're going to talk about it here in a second of the grands why the grandson got the curse. I think those two hold some possibility. I could go for either of those, but the the sod or the sodomy one that's the one that I don't necessarily think plays out. Um, because as we're going to talk about here, why does the grandson get the curse? Yeah, it's interesting. So Canaan is listed five times in this story. It's kind of a big deal. Well, and there's that parenthetical statement right at the top. Yeah. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, why are we told that Canaan is the son of Ham? And like, why and, is that important? And Canaan's not even the first son of Ham. He, he's, no. he's He's just a son of Ham. He's like the fourth like he's just in there, no big deal. Yeah, Why and is so he in there, Joy? yeah, in twenty she doesn't know. in verse twenty two says and Ham and Ham saw the. F- uh, whenever I read this, Ham man, it makes me hungry. I just want to say that that could be a shortcoming. Uh, and and Ham, well, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Like, like the son's name is intermixed in this in this conversation of even him seeing the nakedness, like it's again, I think the two are are so closely correlated to not suspect that, uh, this, this was incest, Mm. uh, is, is, I don't, I, I'm not sure how you land on any other Mm -hmm. landing, but so what I believe is that Hom took advantage of his mom she birthed a, a child. That child's name is Canaan. And that this story is not necessarily a short story. I mean, it's only, I don't know, 10 verses. But there's a massive amount of time here because he, he becomes a man of soil. He's planting a vineyard. He drinks sure. the wine from that vineyard. Like, all this takes time. I mean, you got to let that wine ferment. All you got to grow the vineyard. All of these. This is probably a couple of years. Yeah, and you you don't drink. You, minor sense. You don't drink the the wine from the first crop. Even like it, we're, you're talking several crops before you can sure. really, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have no. I don't have a lot of knowledge about that, but that makes sense. Maybe he was making terrible wine. Maybe that's why he got so drunk. <laughs> that could be the problem. I don't know. Do you know, Joy? Nope. Shaking her head. Nope. Doesn't know. <laughs> the answer would be no. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. So, grandson Canaan gets cursed. Now, what? Like, why? What? Like, why does Canaan catch the the flack instead of instead of Hom? Yeah, I, and for me, I where I land with this is that. He doesn't, 
like this is your grandson sure but this like this would have to like your feelings towards this child would have to be awful yep. awfully conflicted yep They'd so have... there's this and i think that that gives credence to the incest option of of seeing his nakedness i think that definitely gives some credence to that because you know it'd be like no that is a cursed child yeah that is a cursed child now this is why here's here's the reason why i don't think this this is the reason that i'd go for castration over that would be in we talked about these parallels between the genesis story and noah right and in the genesis story there's that do you remember the mention of four rivers like that really weird really weird bit in Genesis 2 where all of a sudden it's talking about these four rivers around Eden um and they're in we we know less and less about each river as it goes on right yep well how many sons does Noah have Noah has three sons Noah has three sons so there's there's one of the teachings that I've heard is that there's a correlation between Noah having three sons and there being four rivers. And when Noah gets off the ark, he's told to be fruitful and multiply, right? Yep. Like this is the commandment, but he never has any more children, right? Like we're not told that he ever has, he just has these three, he's got the three sons that he already had. They go on and have kids doesn't have any he never has a fourth son so he was supposed to have this they they'll teach that he was supposed to have a fourth son and this is the parallel of four rivers and four sons then but he never has this fourth son and the the reason that you'd go with that is then you'd say that he was castrated that he's mutilated some for some reason he can't have children because of what hom did that's the tie-in there Right, because he never has he never has more children, um, <clears throat> which if you go with the incest reading of that, what's stopping from Noah having more kids with his wife after Hom? Did Hom just steal his wife? Like that's not entirely clear, and I think that that's where that's where there's a little bit of gray area in that, and that's why I could go for either one of those yeah, two readings. And there, I. And there have been situations throughout his human history where, where the husband was not able to get over the fact that his sure. wife was involved sexually, even through rape. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any experience with never, that, so I don't. Yeah. Like I can't speak to that, but logically, the the castration would be the final word on like, nope, you can't ever, you can't have that fourth son. And we and we don't know. We know that that uh, he was impacted. Yep. And uh, and these are the things that rabbis have wrestled with. People people have wrestled with oh, with these sure. conversations for thousands of years. And and so we'll probably won't solve it today, even with Joy's help. Right, Joy. That's a lot of help. Well then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she might be the most enjoyable silent partner we've ever had on footnotes. I know. 
This is uh, we. You should you should join us more often, Joy. You might join us even when you're not here. I'm just gonna say you're here. <laughs> and splice in your hi. How oh, would man. they ever know? No one will ever know. <laughs> is she here? Is she not? It'd be a perfect alibi for you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right, so we got four rivers. We got the grandson getting cursed. That's just weird. Like, there's this obvious, like, th- there's a lot of weird going on in this story. There's a lot of complexity to this story, and, and we're not even hitting all of the complexity of this story. In 10 verses, there's so much complexity to this. Yep. This is this covers multiple years. It, there's a number of issues going on here. Well, there's there's got to be... So here's the thing that sticks out to me is... For this to have happened, whatever Hom did to did to Noah, whatever it was, it wasn't good. There must have been animosity building up. Like there was some tension there beforehand that led to this. Yeah, absolutely. There must have been something. Um, and we don't even really like we don't even really get that. You just know it has to be there, right? Yeah, and chapter ten gives us a little bit of a hint. I mean, we're Throughout the story, we're told that the sons of Noah are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, but we're told in, in 10 verse 2 that the sons of Japheth are Gomer, Magog, you know, on and on and on. Yep. Um, and then the sons of Ham, verse 6. So we get Japheth first. We get Ham second. Yep. And, and Canaan is the fourth son of Ham. Okay. So we know that. We know that this isn't even the first son being born to Ham that's being cursed. This, mm-hmm. So so there is time, because the eight came off of the ark. Mm-hmm. There is time. There is complexity to the story. Sure. Uh, so that's verse 6. Uh, f- f- 15 speaks of Canaan and, and his sons. And so Canaan is kind of, uh, even though he's the last son, he seems to be the prominent son. This and, is an important lineage, apparently. Yeah, um, and then Shem also. Um, so in the order that the sons are presented in 10 is when they're given their lineage is Japheth, Ham, Shem. Yep. Now, when, Joy, do you know this one? When they do genealogies in the Bible, do they? how do they order these? Do you know how they order them? That's absolutely correct. They order them from the oldest to the youngest. Good job. So... They go oldest to youngest. But the weird part is when they're getting off the ark, what order are they mentioned there? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, Ham, Japheth. Reversed order. Yeah, and in every place it's listed that way other than when it speaks of the genealogy here in Genesis 10 and the genealogy in uh, First Chronicles one, yep. Also, yeah, the other part uh, when it's Shem and his brother Japheth put the put the cloak. It mentions Shem first. Like this is Shem's idea. Shem's the lead. Shem's taking the the prominent position. Which you were saying uh, when we were talking the other day was you think that for some reason Japheth was not stepping up, uh, and you got that from the curse. Correct. Uh, I think it was in the curse because. Japheth was going to dwell in the tents of Shem. Well, it, it's actually he. That's he. He speaks a blessing to his son, okay. Shem and Japheth. But um, he says, um, 
he definitely says something. Uh, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Second yep. time he says Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Uh, three times Canaan is told to be a servant, but Japheth seems to need the care of Shem. It seems like Shem's taken the he's. It seems like he's taken the Behor role. Right. He's taking that the the patriarch. If Japheth's dwelling within the tents within the camp of Shem, Shem seems to be taking that that Behor role. Which, if the actual birth order was Japheth, Ham, Shem, then Ham got passed over. Yep. In this, Ham gets passed over, which I think is a completely like that. Totally makes sense. That maybe that's the tension that is building, whether that's favoritism, whether Ham did something and pissed off Noah. Like, I, I don't know what happened there, but I think that that's a completely plausible reading of that story to say, like, this is something's going on here. Shem got put in this position and there's some jealousy and there's some anger going on. Right. Totally makes sense to me. I thought that was great. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Yes. So there's there's some tasty footnotes fodder for you. Way to chime in on the genealogies, Joy. Appreciate that help. We definitely needed that. <coughs> oh. <laughs> uh, she's not even looking at oh, oh she looked at me again. She's not even looking at me. She's just angry. Why why do why do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry, Joy? <laughs> Sin is crouching at your door. Why don't you just do what is right? Anyway, uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm having too much fun. The other thing that I was thinking when you were preaching this, uh, there's this this lack of self-control because we drew up the, the parallel between the two stories. Right. Um, it's not only the lack of self-control and stepping into this role of God in the curse. And, like, this curse is wildly, like, this is a huge curse. Like, you're you're not just, like, bringing this down on Ham, you're like all of his, dis, like all of these descendants and these like forever, this whole lineage of Canaan, you're cursing. Um, that there's, there's not a lot of self-control there. And there's the other place of getting drunk. Like there's not a lot of self-control shown there for some reason, not knowing when to say enough. Right. Noah has it. And it, it doesn't say that it's bad that he made a vineyard. Nope. That's not apparently a problem. That's totally fine. Doesn't even say that it's bad that he made wine. It's just not knowing when to say enough. And that's one of the things that I, when, uh, seems the, to lead to this. The issue. Noah movie came out, oh, half a dozen years ago. I think it was 2014. Sounds about right. The, when I saw the movie, you know, first of all, the, the, Director said this is going to be the most unbiblical retelling of the Noah story mm-hmm. ever, and there's there's actually more than one <coughs> source for the Noah story. I mean, the scriptures has it, but there's also uh, another culture that that has their own Noah story that's actually very similar. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one thing that I thought that the movie brought out that I hadn't really considered is the emotional trauma that Noah and his family would have experienced 
being the only ones to be saved and you know hearing the cries of the people as the, as the floods came and sure. and knowing that people people at this point probably do want to be saved but there's no way to save them mm-hmm. and so so there's a potential that Noah just was wrestling with these emotions and not knowing how to deal with guilt maybe shame i mean how different am i from them i you know there's just so many things sure. that uh you would have to feel emotionally that i that i never really considered because again you read the story it's 10 verses long and so easy just to breeze right through it but mm-hmm. yeah the lack of self control and and i think that's oftentimes the case that um when we lack self control in one area or of our lives, it can lead to a lack of self-control in a bigger area or, or an area that uh, has more significant implications. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a real good point. Whether that's, you know, drinking until you're intoxicated and then driving and now you've taken a life. I mean, there's the one is problematic. The next is, catastrophic yep it come sin what were I, I think that's a that's a theme that we keep seeing in these stories um whether it be so like in genesis you know in, in the first couple of stories with adam and eve we see sin sin appears and it's a problem and then it grows and then it becomes an entire like it takes over this entire family right and it starts affecting this whole family and this whole line and then with Noah, we see now it's it's like sins here, and then it grows into this whole line, and it's it's this whole nation now, right? Um, and this it, it grows and it compounds on itself, kind of. I think if you if you look at this, it, it's not hard to track that narrative of sin growing and compounding, um, even after the reset. You know, it grows and it becomes the whole world, and then no, and then God does the flood, and then we see sin starting. It gets it 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 starts off as a little bit and then it it grows again and it compounds and then we end up with uh the story that we're going to get into next week of babel the end is end of genesis 10 through or 1 through 11 um we get into babel and now it's back into these entire nations and it's it's now organizing itself and becoming a city you know and we see sin growing and compounding yep i think that's uh that's just another one of these kind of overarching narratives that we can pull from Genesis that's uh, really valuable. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So the last thing to talk about here, and I'm, I am absolutely stoked for this because I was on pins and needles. I was curious. You had my interest completely perked, and Joy <laughs> is also super stoked for this. Like, she's been staring at her phone, but now she's just absolutely at attention to hear what on earth is going on with this Deuteronomy passage that you talked about adding hate? Yeah, so Jesus says, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay. Well, the verse reads this way. Wrong Leviticus packet. Oh. passage, right Leviticus passage. Uh, Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
Oh, and it's Leviticus, not Deuteronomy. It is Leviticus. Oh, okay. So I had that wrong. Yeah, it is. It is a Leviticus passage, but uh, and it's interesting because when it says you should love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. Like I feel like adding that I am the Lord kind of is like the trump card. Okay. It's uh, this is putting a full stop. You're gonna joy. You're gonna love your neighbor. End of story. No. No, she's not going to love her neighbor. Shakes her head. Doesn't <laughs> like her neighbors. Never mind. Never mind. Not the end of the story. But this is, this is like this is putting a full stop break on a telegram. Yeah. There's nothing more. Yeah. It ends here. And yeah, this is I am the Lord. Like you you really shouldn't be adding any anything else to this command, right? But Jesus says that that's exactly what was happening. Um you know, you've heard it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I wonder, I wonder, because do we have any reference of where that came in? No, I, I, what I picture is the people that say... Because um, they would have known their Leviticus text. Like, people would have known that. Be like, love your neighbor. Like, oh yeah, that's Leviticus. Yeah, um, that's in the law. Yeah. At what well, point did it, they add to it? When you go to Israel today, the mixture of religious to a religious is about the same mixture as what we see in the U.S. Interesting today. And I, I did find that extremely like when I picture Israel before going, I'm I'm picturing It's the Holy Land. It you know, all these people love the Lord, they're pursuing God to the very best. Mm-hmm. You know. But the the if you take a look at the Orthodox Jews versus the uh Ultra conservative to the ultra liberal to you know like all the to the to those who are you know irreligious like the numbers are are very similar. Curious, and so you know I, I think of the term you know God helps those who help themselves. Okay, uh, where's that found in the scriptures? I have no idea. To be honest, I'm a bad pastor. Joy, do you know that one? I don't know that one. I mean, it sounds like a proverb, probably. Yeah, it's actually not in the Bible. Okay. Well, then that's why I didn't know it was there. You're actually a good pastor. Tricks a little pastor you are. <laughs> but my 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 point <laughs> is my point is this. Um. You've heard it said, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy." Like this, it sounds it sounds biblical, doesn't it? It does sound biblical. Well, I mean, Jesus said it. Jesus, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is saying, "You've heard it said," basically from the like. This is this is this truth that you've heard. This is this truth uh, you've heard from the from from your scriptures. All right, all right. But I say to you, but again, if you go back and read Leviticus, that's. That's not what it says. You should not be able to add 
oh. hate your enemies because this this whole passage is is really like you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge. You should have no enemies. There's like if you actually read Leviticus sure. nineteen eighteen, you should have no enemies because you you're not taking vengeance and you're not bearing a grudge. It's gonna make it hard to have any enemies. Um <clears throat> and I think where they get that from is, you know, it's it, it says from the sons of your own people. And so they're like, Yeah, we don't have enemies within Israel. It's the people from outside, sure. you know. And and Jesus We can still well, and I mean Let's be honest, I can understand that. Like if you're if you're the Hebrews, the Israelites at this point, and you're living under Roman oppression, and you hear this verse, love you like love your neighbor. Right? But yep. your neighbor is the Romans who are killing your people yeah. and crucifying you for fun. Like Roman oppression was no joke. No. I can't imagine what that was like. Like, think about America. America was founded because we got overly taxed. And we, like, <laughs> threw a hissy fit and threw, the Boston Tea Party happened. And then we had a revolution because of some taxation without representation. Absolutely. Right? Roman oppression was way worse than that. So, I mean, put yourself in that shoes. Like, I would have been losing my crap under that. And to hear, like, no, 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 I'm supposed to love everybody and not hold any grudges you just murdered my uncle the other day like joy's joy's like she would have been furious she would have been shanking people left and right look at that space monkeys ain't got nothing on her absolutely (laughs) so i like i I get that i get where they would come up with this of like all right there's got to be like that can't be what god means like that can't be what god means so love your neighbor but hate your enemies hmm like yeah, you know, love your neighbor. Like you're supposed to love people, but but you can hate your enemies. Yeah, I I, I could see that. I could see where that would come from. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good point. Also, I'm I'm still a little ashamed that you got me with the uh, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't. I I part of my brain was like, that's not in there, and then I was like, nah, he wouldn't be throwing out fake scripture verses. That's well done. Well played, Rob. Way to use the Levin Dictoronomy 2313. In the book of Olstein. What? Oh, shoot. Oh. Shots fired. Oh. Oh, man. Live your best life, Joy. Live your best life. <laughs> All right. Well, no, that's uh, that's some tasty footnotes fodder right there. Uh, got anything else you want to add, Joy? No wise guru sage words? No. No. All right. Well, then I think we will wrap her on up for this week. Glad that you could join us. I'm glad that you could join us, Joy. Yeah, thanks for being here. Everybody else is glad that you joined too. Way to add to the conversation. Good job. Uh, super helpful. Uh, wealth, A wellspring of biblical knowledge right there. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for knowing when to say enough. Oh man, way to bring that around. <laughs> so much self-control, though, Joy. Well done. Uh, what a beautiful example of that. Nonetheless, uh, 
We'll be here on Sunday wrapping up the Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, we're going to finish that up, and then we're going to start a new series next week for Lent and heading into Easter. That'll be really good. We're going to talk about experiencing God. Yep. And uh, we're going to start doing two services on March 1st, which is not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Very exciting time here at Mission Ridge. So if you're anywhere in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship. Uh, it'll be Sunday at 1030 this Sunday and then Sunday at 9 and 1030 all the preceding Sundays. Preceding? Following Sundays. Not proceeding. Conceding? <laughs> no. That'd be without seating. What's the word, Joy? What am I looking for? I don't know. Neither does she. All right. All the Sundays after, uh, March 1st and onwards, 9 and 1030. It's going to be good stuff. Uh, but thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.